Thanks very much, Angus. Um, yeah, so here we are at the uh, close of the book of Job. Uh, we've been looking through this book for a couple of months, I think nine weeks, I think it is maybe, I hope. Uh, it's been helpful. I've certainly found it helpful, I think, uh, challenging, uh, but also in- encouraging uh, in equal measure. And we're looking at the, the final passage of this book uh, this morning. And I do want to say, uh, just as we begin uh, looking at this final passage, that we just need to uh, be careful here uh, as we wrap things up in this book, uh, because there is a way of reading these last few verses uh, which can actually completely kind of undercut or, or can completely undo uh, everything that we've looked at uh, and spoken about uh, so far, because we could read these verses that, that Angus has just read to us, these verses uh, that we've just heard, uh, and we could just simply say, couldn't we, well, that's, that's all worked out great, hasn't it? You know, that has all sorted itself out nicely uh, for Job. What a happy ending. Uh, a few years ago now, I never really got into it, but I'm sure that some people here were fans, uh, was, was the finale of... Uh, and it was kind of remarked that this finale was basically just wall-to-wall uh, good news, that every single storyline resolved positively, that everyone went away happy. Uh, it was just kind of sickly sweet almost, just a little bit too uh, neat and tidy. Uh, I wonder if there's a danger. We think that's what's happened at the end of Job. Uh, and the danger is uh, that if we think that that's what's happening here in Job, Uh, we'll we'll probably go away with one of two thoughts. Uh, Either uh, we'll perhaps quite rightly uh, be a bit cynical. I will say, well, that's great for Job, isn't it? But actually, uh, that just doesn't fit with real life. That's not what happens. This book of Job is obviously, you know, pie in the sky. It's it's Downton Abbey. It bears no relation to reality. Uh, What's the point? Uh, There's no use. Uh, Or or secondly, and, and perhaps even more dangerously, I think, Uh, we might go away thinking that actually it is just that simple. Uh, That actually you've got a problem. Well, yeah, I suppose it might be tough for a week, uh, a month, maybe even a year, uh, but then actually it won't last. You know, actually God will just step in and sort everything out, that you'll look back and laugh as we're so kind of keen or quick often uh, to say to people going through hard times. Well, uh, I want to say it would be a massive shame Uh, if we went away this morning with either of those two as our final thoughts uh, from this book of Job. Uh, This book of Job, which actually throughout the last couple of months we've seen uh, has dealt so genuinely, uh, has dealt so honestly, has dealt so realistically uh, with the complexity of suffering uh, and with seeing God in that. That it's not been this unrealistic book. It's not been an overly simplistic book. So then how do we avoid that, that conclusion this morning? How do we make sense uh, of these final verses? Well, above all, uh, what we need to see as we get to the end of this book is that what we have here uh, is a picture of what is still to come. Uh, what, what we're looking at this morning uh, is not what we are promised in a week or a month or a year or even in this life, uh, but It is a picture of what is in store beyond all of that. Uh, Really, this is a picture of what the Bible calls the new creation. Uh, It fits in just with what Ross was saying before, that God has promised to restore uh, the perfection of his world, that there is ultimately a happy ending, 
Uh, but that's not so simplistic as to think, well, that is all going to happen here and now. Uh, and so really the big picture as we get stuck into this passage is this. Uh, it's a picture to encourage us uh, that when, as we've just been thinking about, things are tough, uh, that when suffering comes, when we don't understand uh, what God is doing, and it will be easier just to say, well, well forget it, what's the point? Uh, perhaps for you this morning, when you, when you feel like you're holding on to your faith with your, your fingertips uh, because of what you're going through, because of what's happening in the world around you, because of what other people are saying, uh, well, this passage is here to give us this picture, this encouragement of what is still to come. This is what God has promised to those who, like Job, are his people. Uh, to those who, like Job, fear the Lord and turn away from evil, as he's described. Those who, as we saw uh, last week, like Job, repent and recognize the greatness of God uh, and their need of him. Now, this is what God promises for his people. So what do we see? What's in store? Uh, what does God promise? We're going to see two things that we're going to look at. Uh, and the first is this, that God will vindicate his people. Uh, God will vindicate his people. This is really in verses 7 uh, through to 9. I'll, I'll read 7 and 8. You can follow along in your, your Bibles there if you like. Uh, After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, uh, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now what's happening there? Well we hear it repeated again and again and again, isn't it? It is God giving Job his stamp of approval. Job is my servant. Job is my man. Uh, Job is vindicated by God. Uh, in, in the book of Job there has been this huge section in the middle of the book uh, where this guy Eliphaz and his two friends Bildad and, and Zophar they're called uh, have really been sort of laying into Job. Uh, they've been telling Job he must have done something terrible. Uh, he must be hiding some awful secret uh, because in their way of viewing the world, bad things only happen to bad people. Uh, in their way of viewing the world, God is not a, so much a person as some kind of cosmic equation, uh, some kind of process or, or machine where if you put in your, your good works, well, then you'll get blessed. Uh, but if you do bad stuff, well, then out will come suffering. And yet Job has been saying throughout, well, I don't have all the answers. Uh, but what you guys are saying, that cannot be the case because uh, that's not what's happening here. Uh, we know, as Job knows, he's not got some hidden sin somewhere. Uh, and so here is God uh, speaking uh, and so clearly saying, actually, it is Job here that has got it right. Job has spoken what is true. The friends need to go to Job who will pray for them. God says he will listen to Job's prayer. God vindicates Job. It doesn't mean Job's got everything perfect. Uh, we've seen a few times Job has said things he shouldn't. He's spoken out of turn. He himself uh, admits that at the start of chapter 42. Uh, I have uttered what I did not understand. Uh, Job is not perfect, uh, but the point is that, that Job ha has been kind of in the right ballpark, uh, although he's made mistakes, while his friends have been playing a completely different game uh, altogether. 
Uh, Job has been striving after, almost wrestling with, uh, a relational God. Uh, a God that he can know. Uh, while his friends have been putting forward, not a, a relational God, but this kind of robotic God. Uh, they have this neat picture uh, that we've spoken about. It's simple, it's predictable, they have all the answers. And yet actually we see here, it bears no relation to the true God. And, and the passage is clear that that, that angers God. Uh, they are in the wrong. Uh, Job has got it right. They have spoken wrongly about him. Uh, but Job has been true, that, that God is uh, a personal God uh, that we're to relate to. And the point is that in the end, uh, holding on to what is true about God, rather than maybe what is most simple, uh, rather than what necessarily everyone else is saying, uh, that actually knowing the real God is what matters most. Uh, We'll all face pressure, uh, perhaps most of all in times of suffering, to, to think, well, what's the point? You know, just as there was for Job, there will always be plenty of people around telling us, you know, we're wasting our time, uh, we've got it wrong, uh, to hope in God it is pointless, it doesn't mean anything, uh, that they can offer some neat uh, and tidy solution instead of that. And yet God's promise is that those who hold fast to him uh, will be vindicated in the end. And of course, it's, it's Jesus himself uh, who is the ultimate Uh, example of that. Again, as Ross said, the whole Bible, we're in the Old Testament here, the time before Jesus, uh, but the whole Bible is pointing us toward him. Jesus is the ultimate righteous sufferer uh, that this book of Job is pointing us to. Uh, And as Jesus hung on the cross, uh, as Jesus there suffered more than we could ever imagine or comprehend, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, one of the eyewitnesses there, uh, tells us how Jesus was mocked, uh, how his trust in God was ridiculed. Uh, he trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, the people said. You know, why would you be going through all of this uh, if God is really there? Why would you be going through all of this if you were truly right with God? Uh, how on earth could Jesus die if all that he'd said about himself and all that he'd said about God was true? He was mocked. He, he was doubted. Uh, and yet, three days later, uh, as Jesus was raised from the tomb, In the resurrection, uh, he was completely vindicated. Uh, It is proven, isn't it, that what he said about God and also what he said about himself as God is true, is right. And one day, the Bible tells us again that that vindication of Jesus, the hero of that Bible story, uh, will be complete when the Bible promises that he will return, uh, not as a, a baby in a manger, as we'll think about over the next month or so, Uh, but that Jesus will return as the victorious king. Uh, On that day, the Bible says, everyone will will recognize his greatness. Every knee will bow. Everyone will will recognize the truth. And for us, as we've said, our vindication uh, isn't promised uh, in the here and now. Uh, But what is promised is that on that day, uh, that day when Jesus returns, that those who have held on Uh, to that truth of who God is, uh, who have accepted in some ways the mystery of of how God works, that we don't get all the answers, uh, that he doesn't explain everything to us, uh, but most fundamentally have continued to to trust in the gospel, which we want to be at the heart of everything we we do as a church, the heart of everything that we are as people. Uh, Those whose hope has been in Jesus, in his life, his death, 
in his resurrection, those who've held on to that in the face of, of scorn or mocking or laughter, those who've kept on with that, even going through hard times and suffering, and that those will be the ones who will be vindicated. They will be shown by God himself to have been in the right about him, just as Job was. In our busy lives, I think especially perhaps in the hardest of times, it can be really hard to remember, perhaps hard to believe, that ultimately, in the kind of final reckoning of things, what we believe to be true about God, how we relate to God, uh, what we hold on to about God is actually the most important thing. It's so easy for us to think, well, God is something I'll think about when I'm a bit uh, older. Uh, God is something I'll consider when I've got a little bit of spare time. Uh, God is well, something I'll think about once I've just got through this situation or, or when I feel the need of him. Or God is something that is, you know, I'm sure, helpful and interesting for other people. And yet, actually, the Bible is clear. It is the one thing we need to hold on to throughout our lives. It is the most important thing, what we think of God, how we relate to God. It's not something that that will solve all our problems. I hope we've been really clear on that going through, Job. But actually, when the end comes, what we hold to be true about God is the only thing that will matter. Will we, like Job, be found to have spoken what is right about God? to have held on to that truth of a relational God, to have repented, to have turned to him, to have put our trust in Jesus, the perfectly righteous sufferer, suffering in our place. That even in the storms of life, even in the times when we're told and tempted to just give up on God or just kind of sideline him, even in the times when we are confused and hurting and don't have the answers to everything, Uh, that still we'd hold fast to him. Uh, And the encouragement here as we come to the end of this book is that in doing that, uh, God will vindicate his people. That if like Job we persist, uh, we will hear those those words of God to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, That holding on to him as a relational God and trusting in that relationship that Jesus makes possible that we will be vindicated and so enjoy that relationship with him forever. And so there's the first thing, the first encouragement uh, we see here, something to keep us going when when times are hard, uh, to stick with God, uh, to stick with the gospel, because God will vindicate his people. And so there's number one, God will vindicate uh, his people. Uh, The other thing we see here then, that the second half of this passage, really from verse 10 uh, through to the end, this, this final encouragement in this book, Uh, is that as well as God vindicating his people, uh, that God will also restore his people. Uh, God will restore his people. It says there, verse 10, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And then reading on from there, there's this picture of such uh, great abundance, isn't there? Uh, There's relationships restored, uh, there's possessions restored, in fact, double more camels than you know what to do with. There is, there's kind of family uh, and beauty uh, and long life. And, and that final verse, verse 17, and Job died an old man uh, and full of days. That's a way the Bible uses to kind of speak about a, a life well lived, uh, as God had restored to Job all that he had lost. 
And now again, just to go back uh, to what we said at the beginning, uh, we need to be a bit careful here. If we just kind of pluck these verses out and say, look, this is what happened to Job. This is, this is what will happen to you. Uh, you know, whatever's gone wrong, God is going to put that right in, in the here and now. Uh, well, that is a really dangerous, a really unhelpful, because it's ultimately a really untrue thing to say. Uh, perhaps especially uh, if you hear that kind of thing tied up uh, with how much faith you have. You know, if you just had enough faith, uh, you'd get better. You know, or if you really trust in God, then he'll make sure uh, things work out well for you. It'll all be for the best. Uh, actually, hearing that in times of suffering, it, it can devastate people to make it feel as if somehow this is their responsibility uh, to add that layer of guilt uh, on top of that suffering. And if you have heard that, that kind of thing uh, in the past, that I want to be really clear this morning, uh, that is not what the Bible teaches. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that if you're suffering, that is some kind of fault or, or some kind of lack of, of faith within you or, or that's some kind of bad stuff in the past uh, that you're reaping the, the consequences of. And the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, I hope we would recognize uh, after our time in this book, that's essentially what Job's friends, kind of inverted commas, friends uh, have been saying. It's that same kind of karma or, you know, do good stuff, uh, believe enough, uh, you'll get good stuff. It's that idea that, that Job has rejected uh, and that God has vindicated Job for rejecting. Uh, again, remember this passage is pointing us forward uh, to what is to come. This passage is pointing us forward uh, to what God has promised for those who hold on to him, uh, who keep on in that relationship with him made possible through Jesus, who endure in that even in the face of suffering. Uh, but it's not what God promises right here and now, uh, but what he has promised in the end, uh, that Jesus, as we said, will return, uh, that God will restore his people, that God will restore all things. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of pain uh, in the book of Job, isn't there? The first five verses of chapter one are quite cheerful, and then there's like 42 other, verses, 42 other chapters, and then it's really only, again, this last seven verses of the book uh, that give us this sort of joyful perspective, this joyful picture. Uh, and yet these final few verses are, are pointing us forward to an eternity uh, in restored relationship with God, in the restored perfection that he will recreate, uh, the, the new creation uh, the Bible speaks about. Uh, there's a, a well-known section in the final book of, of Lord of the Rings, uh, The Return of the King, it's after the ring has been destroyed. Sorry if that ruins the ending for you. You've had about 70 years to read it, so it's okay. Uh, but, you know, the ring is destroyed. It kind of symbolizes evil uh, being defeated, the end of that. Uh, one of the hobbits, uh, Samwise Gamgee, he says, is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, the, the author of Lord of the Rings, was a Christian. Uh, and really that is his brilliant description uh, of what God has promised, uh, of the new creation, of the time after uh, evil and suffering being destroyed, that everything sad will come untrue, uh, that evil and suffering and sorrow will be undone. Uh, we see that glimpsed here. Uh, at the end of Job, uh, what we will see fully uh, when Jesus returns, that God will restore his people to the perfection uh, he designed for them. 
uh, all that we have lost, uh, all that we have mourned, uh, all that we have had taken from us, uh, that will all be restored uh, far more abundantly uh, than we could ever imagine in this life or in this world. Uh, Again, great words from uh, the end of the book of Revelation Uh, the last book in the Bible, looking ahead uh, to this time. I think I've said before, these are perhaps my favorite verses in the Bible, so I try and squeeze them into as many Sundays as possible. But uh, you know, this is the destination that that Christianity says the world is heading toward. Uh, This is speaking about the great restoration God has promised and made possible through Jesus uh, for those who trust in Jesus. It says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And that is the restoration that is promised. Sadness becoming untrue. Uh, suffering being undone, uh, and in their place, uh, eternal, joyful relationship with God uh, in a restored perfection for his people, uh, for those who've trusted in Jesus. Now, and we're told this in Revelation, and we're given this, this picture of it here in Job, uh, not just as kind of inf- interesting information for what's to come in the future that we can kind of file away somewhere, Uh, But because that is what gives us the encouragement to keep on going in the present and to keep on trusting in God uh, or maybe even to to turn to God for the very first time, uh, to keep on holding fast to the gospel of Jesus, to find out our hope there, uh, whatever may happen in in our lives here and now. Uh, We're given these great pictures of what is to come uh, so that as the Apostle Paul writes in, in the New Testament, we don't lose heart. Uh, He writes this, for this light momentary affliction, and Paul is not there saying that our our struggles or the suffering we see around us is insignificant or or doesn't matter. He's comparing it to to what is to come, the greatness of what's to come. Uh, for For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Uh, The encouragement is to keep on looking uh, to what God has promised. Keep on looking to what is solid, what is eternal, what will last uh, in the midst of the the struggles and the difficulties we go through here and now. Uh, God will vindicate his people God will restore his people. And it's as we remember that, as we keep on looking to that, that glorious, perfect eternity, uh, that we're strengthened to keep on going, uh, keep on living for him in the here and in the now, despite uh, the hardships that will come. And and so the book of Job finishes with uh, real encouragement. It finishes with the truths that we need uh, to keep on going. It is not, as, as the whole book hasn't been, Uh, simple platitudes about how stuff's not really that bad or, you know, stiff upper lip and all that. No, it doesn't undo uh, what we've spoken about so far. Uh, It takes the sorrow and the pain and the suffering of our world seriously, uh, but it does give us promises of what's in store. Uh, God will 
vindicate his people. God will restore his people. So turn to God. Keep on going with God. Trust in Jesus even in the midst of the, the difficulties and the mess of real life. And really that brings us to the end of this brilliant book of Job. Not to say that we've kind of exhausted everything that could be said by any means. We could spend months, I think years probably, uh, deepening our understanding here of Job. Uh, and I'd encourage you to keep on coming back to this book. Uh, perhaps it feels slightly less daunting now. We've kind of been looking at it together for a while. We've got a bit of a way in. Uh, I just wanted to finish really briefly, I suppose, with a bit of a, a summary or a, a reminder. Uh, what have we learned going through this book? What do we want to take away with us as individuals and as a church? Uh, one thing, perhaps a, a big thing, the main thing perhaps uh, for us to, to uh, go away with uh, is for this book to help us with our expectations. Uh, to see that actually suffering uh, isn't uh, a strange exception. Uh, suffering isn't a sign of us going wrong in our faith uh, or our life, but suffering is actually the normal experience in a fallen world, uh, including or perhaps especially for those who are Christians. And that in that, we follow in the path of Job, even more so we follow in the path of Jesus. Uh, we've been praying this morning for Stuart Gibson, uh, we've been praying this morning for, for Colin Cameron. Um, as we think about that, as we are in our, our last Sunday here looking through the book of Job, it seems almost, I'm not sure what the, the right word is, uh, fitting almost, uh, that we close this book uh, with two of our most loved, most faithful, uh, most godly men from the church uh, who will be catching up online uh, because of illness, because of sickness, because of suffering, not being able to be here. And I'm sure you'll be aware of many more people that we know and love suffering, um, other suffering going on uh, in your own life. Uh, looking at the, the book of Job shows us that as we face up to that, uh, as we experience the reality of that, you know, we've not gone wrong somewhere. Uh, we've not strayed off the path. Uh, God hasn't dropped the ball. Uh, it's not, not quite as good as we thought it was going to be. It's not different to what was promised. But actually, this is how we would expect life to be in a fallen world. This fits the Bible's pattern because we're still in that, that in-between time, that God hasn't yet restored all things to the perfection that we're looking forward to. So this book shows us what to expect, but I think it also hopefully helps us to know how we can better deal with that as well. And the whole book helps us to deal with suffering in light of God, in light of who God is. Now, why are these last few verses we've looked at uh, this morning about what God has promised, why are they so powerful? Uh, well, I think they're far more powerful uh, because they come at the end of this big, long book. Uh, they come at the end of 42 chapters of wrestling with God in suffering. These aren't kind of short, snappy, simple, easy answers. It's 42 chapters of, at times, uh, incredibly bleak darkness. Think back with me, if you will, if you were here when we looked at, at chapter 3. Uh, Job, having gone through this suffering, uh, saying that he wished he'd never been born, uh, that he was seeking the, the rest of the grave. Uh, as we come to this hopeful, joyful destination at the close of the book, let's not forget that, that journey uh, that this book of Job takes us on, because when we're suffering... Uh, and when we draw alongside those who are suffering, uh, we want to be on uh, that journey with them. 
Uh, Not to simply jump to chapter 42 and say, oh, don't you know, uh, God is going to restore. It's going to be okay in the end. That's true. But also to to sit with them. As like chapter 3, they mourn and see only darkness. Uh, To listen with people. As like chapter 9, they question where God is and what he's doing. Uh, To help people, like in in chapter 19, see their need for a redeemer, one who would uh, connect them to God. Uh, To remind them, like in chapter 28, that they might not get all the answers they'd like, but they can still trust in that God. Uh, But through this journey, to ultimately be able to point to the true God, uh, to speak rightly about God, the God who answers Job, uh, showing his awesome power and control, and who promises in the end to vindicate and restore his people. And really that reminds us that above everything else, uh, this is a book about God. It's a book about a God who we can know in suffering. Uh, A God we need to draw even closer to in suffering. And a God we can continue to worship in the midst of suffering. A God who understands suffering uh, and in Jesus Christ has himself suffered. And as this book once again points us to Jesus, the ultimate righteous sufferer who has suffered for us, uh, who has suffered in our place. And it says we know God by trusting in Jesus that we can continue uh, to be his people. Uh, And in light of that, he has uh, looked forward to all that he has promised uh, that is in store for his people. Let's, Let's pray together.